BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello and welcome to the Horn One Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, consider signing up for the Patreon. There you get ad-free content early access, exclusive episodes, and monthly supporter hangouts. You can find it at patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast. If you don't like the subscription-based models, there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart? Available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Welcome to the One on One podcast with your host. Juan Ayala. We catch a lot of flack for talking about it sometimes, but most of the, I can't say all because there might have been a few, but a lot of the areas where we find heavy amounts of like cryptid reports or like cryptid activity, we also find evidence of occult activity that yeah. takes place in those same woods. And oh, yes. it's it's weird because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people that live in like 21st century, you know, American cities and they don't spend a lot of time outdoors or in like non-urban environments, the idea that there are people out in these unpopulated or very sparsely populated areas engaged in like ritual occult activity that seems crazy to them they don't they think that's impossible in 21st century america but it happens and it doesn't just happen in the southern appalachians we talk to people out of the pacific northwest or in florida that also run across this 
evidence of occult activity. I think out what's there. funny is we people we know people that do strictly Bigfoot stuff, and they'll go out. A friend of ours went out to uh, the swamps in Florida, and he was doing strictly you know uh, skunk ape stuff out in Florida, and he ran across all these people doing rituals, these sigils made of sticks hanging from the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, he ran into all kinds of crazy stuff. We've actually run into a lot of really strange occult activity um, in an area where we've been doing research for many years now in North Georgia. And our channel and our videos were taking kind of a dark turn because we were going to this place over and over again and we were finding more and more evidence of rituals taking place deep in the woods and all the stuff that kind of came along with it. But we weren't really going out there for the occult necessarily. We were finding evidence of cryptid activity in these same Mm -hmm. areas where this occult activity was taking place. Welcome back to another episode of the 101 Podcast. Your host as always, make sure to follow the show at the 101 Podcast on all social media platforms, tjojp.com, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff, links down below. And today I am joined by Hellbent Holler, how are y'all doing today? We are well. Doing great. Can you guys play your stuff before we get started and where people can find you if they're interested in cryptid, interested in out in the field research, and also you guys have a podcast as well? Yeah, so um, you can find us on YouTube. Just look up Hellbent Holler. It's youtube.com slash Hellbent Holler. You can find me on Instagram at Hellbent Jesse. Um, I'm more active on there than Joe is, but we put all of our investigations on YouTube as of right now. Um, but we're a, you know, we're a field investigation team, but everything's on YouTube. You can check out all of our videos. We have a ton up there. We've been doing this for a couple of years. And how does one get started as far as getting the itch to go out and hunt for these cryptids? Cause I've talked about dog man before Bigfoot and all that stuff. And you guys are running towards portals and really putting yourself in danger's way. How, what got you guys started as far as wanting to go out and actually start doing this. Cause one thing is reading about it. Cause I get made fun of all the time being an armchair occultist. One thing is reading about it and talking about it. Another thing is actually doing the do. Yeah. You got to be out there casting them spells, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so Joe and I kind of started differently. Um, he was more interested in the physical cryptid kind of thing. I was more interested in the occult, uh, ghosts and the paranormal Um, So that was kind of where we came from in terms of our interests. And we both lived in New Orleans for a long time, and that's where we met. And um, we moved up to back up to the southern Appalachian region. I'm originally from western North Carolina, um, Haywood County, and he's originally from Virginia. So we moved back up to the southern Appalachian region, and we just started hiking a lot when we got up here because we lived in New Orleans for so long. We were just in the city all the time. Um, and didn't do much um, outdoorsy type stuff while we were there. Uh, But we moved up here, we started hiking a lot, and we actually started just listening to podcasts, and uh, we decided to go legend tripping. We still both had an interest in cryptids and the paranormal, and we did kind of the, like you said, the armchair research kind of stuff. And we went out where this guy was having, he had this experience where he saw like a shape-shifting witch, And we were like, oh, we know where that is. So we went out, went and hiked the trail, went out there, and a bunch of crazy stuff happened. And so at that point, we decided, 
we can either go forward with this and really pursue this and go head first into it, or we can just never go back in the woods again. So we got a cheap camera off Amazon mm. warehouse and started just going head first into it. We started filming our expeditions, going to different areas where there was different activity going on, filming it. And I taught myself how to do video editing and put all this stuff together. I started the YouTube channel and started putting all of our stuff out there on the channel. And we started really, really just committing all of our time and resources and energy to pursuing this project, Hellbent Holler. And, you know, that, that this is one of the things, I'm a skeptic like anybody else. When Even when it comes to the occult, even when it comes to all this magic stuff, there's plenty of stories, there's plenty of, of mm. things written down about it. But there's never, except for a handful of, I'm, I'm an evidence guy, right? Like, I want to see yeah. this stuff. I want to see it in front of me. Like, right now, the whole UFO, aliens, all of a sudden, it's a government psyop. And I go, wait a minute. Obviously, from 1947 and on, Ke Kenneth Grant, which I've heard you guys talk about, they claim responsibility for the modern UFO age. But what about before 1947? Were, was that all a government psyop? Was all that orchestrated was all that project Bluebeam. like i don't think so but again this is part of the community but you guys are putting in all this time and going out to the woods and filming does it get a little bit discouraging where you don't sometimes always get like some evidence like what would be the smoking gun for you guys to be like okay this is real if you were to see all right so you have the portal in the in the you know mm -hmm. in the far or whatever you're running towards it and the portal's still open. Are you going to jump through it? What are you going to do when you actually, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's the what? I know exactly the trend. Yeah, one, one of us might end up, like, halfway through the portal. Well, just you, be like a dangling leg or something. If, you, if you've watched that video that we, what did you call it, a burning light? Yeah. You put it yeah. Up? We experienced what could have possibly been a portal opening up in the mountains of North Georgia. It was, like, the craziest thing I've ever seen. She literally tried to run towards it, and I had to stop her because um, – I'm a foot taller than she is, so I had a better vantage or at least a different vantage from it. And I could see what looked to be little figures moving around it. So that's where it all of a sudden I'm going, are those people? Are those something else? Uh, you know, we're in a, an unfamiliar part of the woods. Where it's the middle of the night. Um, I don't think we should be gallivanting towards it because we don't know what the heck it is. Mm -hmm. But as far as like the smoking gun goes, yeah, we've gotten some pretty cool stuff. I mean, we've gotten like a really interesting thermal hit we got some thermal images from the land between the lakes the lbl of what appears to be, appears a, to dog be a, man. a dog man I, we can't debunk it with anything else so yeah. far um and we've gotten other stuff but as far as like that smoking gun i don't know i, mean, I think was, you know that there's that's where the problem comes in is i would love to i've never had like a one-on-one -on -one sighting what would be like considered a class a sighting of either a sasquatch or a dog man or anything like that I've never had a sighting like that. I'd love to experience that. Um, that's what I'm going out there. That's what I'm going out there for. But even if I had that kind of sighting and I had my camera at the ready and I had the presence of mind to film this, um, the way things are right now, like you said, you know, the whole aliens thing, is it, is it a government psyop? It, is, it, is it real? Is it a psyop? I mean, Somebody would see the video that I captured and you know that there would be so many people who would be like, oh, that's AI, that's yeah. fake. So I don't think even if you had a smoking gun, if you presented the world with a smoking gun, 
it would not be considered that at all, just because everything can be faked to the level it is right now that everybody would just not believe it, you know? Mm -hmm. So no matter what you did or what you captured, um, it would just, nobody would believe it. Cause the, is it the Patterson film though? Yeah. Yeah. Some people say that's faked. Some people say yeah. that was a suit the whole time, but then obviously it's got all the anatomy kind of correct, or there's some things there that you'd have to really think it through, like, oh, put breast on this whole thing and then make the costume mm-hmm. with that, right? So it's kind of, but my whole thing has always been like, okay, if there is this thing out there, I think we would have caught more of it by now. You know yeah, what I mean? I, Unless I, I, yeah. it's it's not fully flesh and blood right and it's more okay like- so now you're gonna let's get into this here because i know a lot of your audience isn't super cryptid people so we'll we'll get into this right here um you know there are different camps when it comes to something like sasquatch you've got what you would consider the apers we call them apers these are people who think that this is a monkey <laughs> running through the woods and then you have people that they refer to as the woo people who they think that this is some sort of supernatural being I think most of the time we fall in both camps in a way Um, that we do think it's flesh and blood, but we also think it seems to have supernatural abilities. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I started out just completely in like the flesh and blood camp. I mean, I could have sat here and talked to you about like, you know, Gigantopithecus and, you know, possibly it came across like a land bridge, you know, uh, across the Bering Sea and and the fossil record and everything like that. But the the longer we've done this and the more witnesses that we've spoken to that we find credible and the more experiences we've had in the field, I think that some of these things, they exhibit qualities that you would expect from like a flesh and blood creature. You know, you see them eating. There's, there's reported scat piles found. They leave trace on the environment, uh, like footprints, which are the, probably the most well-known example of that. But you're right. If they were, if it was a breeding population of, of giant apes in North America, at this point, you would think we would have something on it yeah some physical specimen of some kind and a lot of these like skeptics arguments they carry some weight man you know where's the body and you start hearing these like crazy like explanations well they eat their dead they do this they bury their dead and i'm just like so they never missed like one i mean they've got a hundred (laughs) percent success rate with this track record they're really good sasquatch cannibals yeah so to me the only explanation is is that if they are flesh and blood creatures they're flesh and blood creatures from somewhere else they they come from somewhere else. They're they're here for a while. They do their thing, and then they're back to wherever they were going to. Whether that's like an, an interdimensional thing or some sort of like you know crypto terrestrial, you know, maybe mm-hmm. some people say from the underground. Those possibilities make more sense to me than the fact that it's just an ape and it's normal, but we just can't catch it, and it's just in the woods all the time and it's just really good at hiding. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I think the fact that we've approached the phenomenon for the most part in those terms, like, you know, it's, it's a zoological pursuit. You're trying to capture an unknown species and prove it to science. I think that's why there hasn't really been any movement on it yeah. since the Patterson Gimlin film, since the fact, and you decade after decade of people out trying to catch basically what amounts to a large monkey in the woods. And I think that if it was a large monkey in the woods, we would have caught it by now. Um, the only way that, you know, you always hear about a government cover-up and the fact that there's this government cover-up going on. <laughs> and I'm going, well, why invest that much time and money to an effort decade after decade to cover up what is basically a large monkey in the woods? 
the more time you spend doing this, if you're honest with yourself and you're, you're not afraid to put yourself out there with some ridicule because Bigfoot community is pretty rough on people who kind of stray off the status quo. But um, if you're honest with yourself, you've got to go, there's something more going on than just a monkey. In the yeah. Woods. It's not a freaking monkey in the woods. I'm not saying they get out of <laughs> UFOs. I'm not saying they come out of portals. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that, that they do leave physical trace on the environment. Um, people do see them doing things like I mentioned before, like eating berries, you know, you've heard about them hunting deer and killing deer and all of that, but um, they also th- display some characteristics of something that's not quite a normal, like terrestrial animal. Like yeah. they have self-illuminating eyes. Um, they, they, people report like mind speak where they're communicating with people telepathically in the woods. Well, that's what I just wrote um, down here. Telepathic Bigfoot, because I've heard, stories mm-hmm. of of the i don't know if you guys have heard i forget the guy's name but supposedly he's got him in his scopes and then he hears i think uh, the big uh dog man talk and then the bigfoot's like no leave him alone he's not gonna. and it's <laughs> it's like it sounds ridiculous right because you because can, yeah. you, can you imagine a that lot the, a lot of this sounds ridiculous and that's the thing is is that you you look at when the public thinks of like Bigfoot, you think of like the Harry and the Hendersons type thing, right? You know, you just think of like a big seven, eight foot tall, you know, basically a gorilla walking around in the woods. And those wilder stories, a lot of people go, well, that's interesting, but that's too crazy to be true, you know? And, but you keep hearing stuff like that, like over and over and over again. The weirder stuff, like Jesse mentioned, you always hear them about having like self-illuminating eyes. Um, We've seen something that might've possibly been self-illuminating eyes to points of light that were lit up that moved like you would expect eyes and a head to move Mm -hmm. there's no other light source i mean it was just in sheer darkness well that's not a natural creature man but that seems to be happening and it's weird because you know the people that that want to hold on to that it's an ape in the woods theory they start grasping at straws at that point you know and they start that meme of that woman with the math you know like the the mental gymnastics that people have to go through to try to fit it into this box that it's just this monkey running through the woods and it's just that the when they start to explain it and they're like oh well you know it has this and this and it does this that's crazier than if this was an interdimensional creature you know they start talking about like well you know there's there's sea creatures and insects that that have bioluminescence and i'm going yeah but i mean even if it was a mammal you know your eyes are photoreceptors your eyes gather light and you know transform that in your brain to your vision having those organs like exude light it's it's kind of counterproductive as far as that's mm-hmm. a weird evolutionary trait or it's a weird biological trait you would expect um it's just but you see that a lot of times people will start to like with the mind speak thing you hear all sorts of stuff from like infrasound to just you know you hear more like exotic stuff like quantum entanglement and like you know you get mm-hmm. into quantum mechanics reasons and all of that um but you know what here's the deal we've never experienced mind speak but we've talked to some extremely credible people who swear up and down that they have yeah don't appear to be crazy uh you know they're very believable that have experienced that stuff and you know a lot of that stuff kind of doesn't make its way to the public eye because you know the community you know the population at large is in love with this idea of a a big ape in the woods and it's a little uncomfortable when you start realizing that you know maybe it's something that a appears to be an ape in the woods but it's not it's it's it's, something much more and often much scarier um there's this really hokey kind of view of bigfoot you've got the bigfoot stuffed animals and the tea towels and stuff 
Um, I think that the Sasquatch and Bigfoot is something that is much, much more frightening and possibly nefarious than what people really seem to think it is. Um, and they really project this like Disneyfication onto a lot of these cryptids in general. Um, these are creatures that are giant and uh, there's often just terrifying stories about them attacking people um, that, that they're terrifying. They're just a terrifying creature. You're actually going out in the woods looking for a nine foot tall giant bipedal creature. Um, if you don't go armed, what are you doing? You know, you don't really believe this thing. Would you exists. shoot Bigfoot? If we were, I don't, if I we don't were threatened, so. I mean, if we just saw one, I wouldn't nah, just shoot just, one willy nilly. Yeah. 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 You don't know the ramifications of something like that. <laughs> you know? And there's no, there's no real upside for something like that no. because it's, it's one of two, there's one of two reasons why, well, there's three reasons technically. One of which is that everybody's like delusional and we're all just crazy. That's one, that's a possibility. But the other two things are that it's not a natural animal from here from this reality, this this dimension, whatever you want to call it, you don't know what's going to happen when you shoot it. Um, or it is flesh and blood and it could be killed, in which case there's no body because there's a major cover up. Well, then all of a sudden that's into play at this point, you know? Um, you got PETA showing up. Yeah, you're the you've guy seen that shopping. guy on TikTok with the body. Have you seen that guy before the, with the frozen? Yeah, one? So let me look up this guy, frozen Bigfoot body. He's got... Let's see here, because that's that's the thing, right? So we're talking about the interdimensional aspect of it. You also have the mm -hmm. occult aspect, the illuminating eyes being something like Mothman, Dogman is also reported with that. And then the mm -hmm. idea of the Gigantopithecus, which was an actual thing, right? Yeah. And the idea yeah. that maybe perhaps let's say let's think outside the box, it was able to survive mm -hmm. for whatever reason and exist out in these cave systems, which are, we know that there are extensive cave systems in the like mammoth cave system. They don't know where, yeah. where it ends. I mean, so the possibility there's entire rainforest and entire ecosystems underneath the ground. I have a buddy of mine that lives in Vietnam and they got that, I forget the name it was like Dungong cave or something. And it's like this entire yeah. rainforest underground mm -hmm. still with animals that are only found there. So oh, yeah. again, and it's like the, the, I told my buddy recently, shout out to Joel, of the the King Kong movie. I forget which I think is Kong versus Godzilla, the latest one, where they go mm -hmm. into Hollow Earth, and it's all about yeah. Hollow Earth. It's crazy. Oh yeah, and those myths, you know, I don't know if you can call them myths, but those stories, there's that's cross cultural. Tons of cultures have stories of just a whole another civilization, a whole another biosphere underground. And, you know, one of the things we always talk about pretty much with any of these phenomena, you know, Bigfoot, Dogman, um, just like the UFO or the UAP phenomenon, I don't think there's just one answer that everything can kind of just be covered by. Yeah. I think some of it's experimental government crafts. Some of it might be physical, you know, alien craft from another planet. Some of it might be interdimensional. Um, some of it might be fourth dimensional, you know, beings kind of crossing into third dimensional space. There's a whole range of stuff. I think kind of Bigfoot kind of goes along those same lines. I think there might be more than one thing going on out there than, you know, what maybe there is a relic population of, of just primates or hominids out yeah. there that, that, that big, but it is still a or the, you know, the cause of some of these reported sightings. And then there's other stuff going on as well. Wait, is this the guy? The it's dog? Peter, uh, Peter Kane, I think you're talking about. Is, have you guys seen this? Yeah, oh, this guy's does. been making videos for years. Yeah. He's, he's got some pretty, uh, what is his name, man? Is it? 
he's like a fake dog trainer. Yeah, he's a uh, <laughs> actually he he's a real dog trainer. Oh, he's a real dog trainer. And then trainer. he's got yeah the Bigfoot stuff. But yeah, that's Peter Kane, man. He uh he like talks about Bigfoot molesting him. Yeah, yeah, he's got some crazy stuff. Man. So is this guy trolling people or what? Oh yeah, it's oh, a long, yeah. it's a multi-year troll. He got he got pregnant by a Bigfoot one time. Yeah, it's just it's real. <laughs> it's some of it's more tongue-in-cheek than others. But if you watch him long, yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. He's a yeah. He's he's been doing this Bigfoot stuff for years at this point, man. He had like frozen Bigfoot genitalia. Yeah, that he was going to try to like harvest. Didn't he have like testicles? Or yeah, something? he was going to try to harvest. He was going to try to harvest semen out of them to try to see if he could do like a, a test tube Bigfoot or something like that at one. But here's the uh, thing about this because it's though is it the giant of. Uh, Kaldahar, what's the name of the Kalahari? I think it is. Yeah. Where it's like these red haired giants, which Mm -hmm. that's a really interesting story because again, it goes back to this biblical time of the description of the Nephilim and the Mm -hmm. Elohim and all these different things, which are kind of sort of demi demons, demi gods, kind of right. They're, Mm -hmm. they're, they're divine to, to some extent. Right. And I think that's what, Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. God's with a little gene. I think that's what this. I think this is what we're we're seeing. And right, you have Morehead with the Sierra sounds, and I think mm-hmm. that a friend of mine and I did this episode where we related that to the barbarous words, which the barbarous words are supposed mm-hmm. to be this. The, you know, these words that are supposed to put you in this altered state of consciousness in order mm-hmm. to summon things. For it's like. Well, what if they stumbled across some sort of ritual that they were doing out there, invoking these things into our dimension? Because, I mean, I've heard stories about that, too. And when I tell people, they're like, so all occultists are responsible for all cryptos. I go, no, 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 no. What if it's a technology and they're mm-hmm. able to bring some in and maybe some of them just bleed through like stranger things. I got to know where, you know, rift will open up in, in the woods and the national parks and all these different places that are vast open lands. And I mean, you guys are from Louisiana, mm-hmm. so you know how weird it gets in Louisiana. There's a lot of yeah, stories like there. all over the South, man. I mean, we, we catch a lot of flack for talking about it sometimes, but most of the, I can't say all because there might've been a few, but a lot of the areas where we find heavy amounts of like cryptid reports or like cryptid activity. We also find evidence of occult activity that yeah. takes place in those same woods. And oh, yes. it's, it's weird because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people that live in like 21st century, you know, American cities and they don't spend a lot of time outdoors or in like, you know, non-urban environments. The idea that there are people out in these, you know, unpopulated or very sparsely populated areas engaged in like ritual occult activity that seems crazy to them they don't they think that's impossible in 21st century america but it happens and it doesn't just happen in the southern appalachians we talk to people out of the pacific northwest or in florida that also run across this evidence of occult activity and what's there. funny is we people we know people that do strictly bigfoot stuff and they'll go out a friend of ours went out to uh the swamps in florida and he was doing strictly you know uh, skunk ape stuff out in florida and he ran across all these people doing rituals these sigils made of sticks hanging from the trees mm-hmm. uh, he ran into all kinds of crazy stuff we've actually run into a lot of really strange occult activity um in an area where we've been doing research for many years now in north georgia and our channel and our videos were taking kind of a dark turn because we were going to this place over and over again and we were finding more and more evidence of 
rituals taking place deep in the woods and all the stuff that kind of came along with it. But we weren't really going out there for the occult necessarily. We were finding evidence of cryptid activity in these same mm -hmm. areas where this occult activity was taking place. And I don't think in terms like that, I don't like Jesse came from like a paranormal kind of occult background. I didn't. So I don't think in terms like that, but, um, and you're out there and you're trying to look for other possible explanations for it. Well, then we're hearing like witness accounts of them running into people in robes doing rituals in the woods. And these are in the same areas where we're catching weird sounds at night, like weird howls, weird like clicking speech you yeah. know all sorts of like weird stuff we're catching like disembodied eyes on our night vision cameras um weird flashes of light coming out of the ground like balls of light flying around and then you you're running across like the 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 human element of it you know we're finding areas where it looks like a cult activity is taking place and finally it gets to the point where you know if you're going to look at this logically if you kind of look at this with no preconceived notions i'm going I didn't previously believe in a lot of this stuff, but I can't deny what I'm finding at that point. And I'm just going, so now what's the connection if there is any? Is is there this just like a weird kind of window area that just has like a weird energy or whatever? Um, you know, are the, the veils between worlds thinner here and the cryptid activity, the paranormal activity, and then the human occult activity all separately drawn to this place? Or are they feeding into each are other? Are they feeding into each other? Is yeah. one causing the other? Um, but it, it takes place. It happens. I mean, you, like you mentioned, these, these sparsely populated areas, there are people out there involved in ritualistic behavior. It's been going on for generations, and it's, it's, it's undeniable. It's real. So There's an area in North Georgia that where we actually saw that portal. Um, we've been going up there for a while. There is a – do you know what a wilderness therapy camp is? Sounds like a cult. It, it is. is. It pretty much is. So, <laughs> so, yeah. ki like kids who are misbehaving. Usually, it's pretty wealthy kids, or it's kids that nobody cares about, and the state puts them in these. So, these are wilderness therapy camps. It's where kids who are teenagers and kids are sent out into the woods, and they're supposed to get back to nature. It can be anything from the kids are stealing cars, or the kids have a video game addiction. Mm -hmm. It can run the gamut. Um, and they'll put these kids out there and they're taught, they're supposed to be taught survival skills and camping and it's supposed to help them unplug and all. That's the whole, that's the brochure version of it. Turns out that a lot of these wilderness therapy camps and actually Paris Hilton was sent to one in Provo, Utah. Um, they're kind of like a cult. They take away these kids' uh, clothes. They take away, they don't have tents or anything to sleep in. They make them sleep on the ground. They starve them. They abuse these kids. They make them go through basically just hell and they abuse these kids out there. There is evidence and we've gotten eyewitness reports from somebody. Let me back it up. I'll tell this story how we found this. We were out in this area in North Georgia and we see these notes pinned to trees. Um, it has a name, a very distinct name, and it says, you can come home, you can come home. So the name is very distinct. We, I was like, what is this? So, we're heading back out. As soon as I get signal, I Google the name and I find this girl posting about her boyfriend. They were in high school. They were from, I think Mississippi or mm -hmm. Alabama. Um, she, he was from a well-to-do family and she got pregnant and his family did not want them together. So his family basically kidnapped him and put him in one of these wilderness therapy camps. So she found out where he was being held. It was in this forest so she went up there to try to get him and 
basically kidnap him back and mm-hmm. deprogram him. She went up there with actually a guy that does professional cult deprogramming. Yeah. Because the kid was over 18. Uh, he was still being held against his will or he had been completely brainwashed at this point. So she went up there with people who were involved in. Who had been to these camps as kids and yeah. were now deprogrammers. Yeah. So they were involved with like cult deprogramming, but not occult type stuff. What yeah. the So they're heck? out there trying to basically comb this wilderness. And these are just like city people. You know, these are city people out there trying to like go around in these woods and kind of come across these wilderness therapy camps with this plan on getting the boyfriend to back out. And they start, it's weird because Jesse contacts this girl on Facebook when we're driving back in. Like I said, where we're at in the mountains up there, there's no cell signal for miles. So as soon as we kind of got back and we're driving through civilization again, Jesse's you know, the passenger seat, messaging this girl going, And you hey, talked to the um, actual I, girl. Yeah, found yeah. her on Facebook. It's a very yep. distinctive name. And went, hey, uh, are you the girl that was leaving notes in this portion of North Georgia? And the girl was instant. She doesn't know what we do. Jesse's Facebook at that time was just very mundane. It didn't really make any mention of like Bigfoot or the yeah. paranormal or anything. And the girl instantly was just like, yes, did you hear the spirits of the woods up there? You need to be just off the bat. Just did you hear the spirits of the woods? Jesse's yelling, going, you won't believe what this girl's messaging me right now. And Jesse's like, well, what do you mean? And she goes, those woods are are haunted. There's something going on up there. And then she proceeds to tell Jesse a story about how one of the guys who was the main cult deprogrammer, who had a lot of experience trying to get kids out of these these programs where they, because eventually they're willing participants in it. They've been basically yeah. mind-washed, like brainwashed at that point. And the guy tells a story about how he came across this clearing with a group of adults in like robes doing some sort of ritual with this crying child in the middle of it. And that he tried to break it up, but they got violent and he had to basically like run for his life out of there. Yeah. And he described this clearing in this area, you know, very in detail. We've been to that clearing we knew several instantly times where it was, yeah, prior so. to us making this contact with these people. And I interviewed all these. I've interviewed the guy and I interviewed the girl over the phone. Um, but he described it in detail. We had been in this clearing where he ran across this ritual taking place. And we had been there several times. And what's weird is every time we've been there, we're like, one of us will turn to the other and say, I feel like something evil is here. I feel like one day we're going to come out here and there's going to be like a dead body yeah. out here. Yeah, we've, we've made that mention on several times on video that like we just feel like we're going to walk around a, you know, a turn in the path and all of a sudden there's just going to be a dead body. It's just is there a bloodstain altar by any chance out there? No, but there's we found what appear to be bloodstains on the rocks up there. There's we've broken women's jewelry. jewelry bits of clothing yeah. that we found up there. And this was all before we talked to these this these people. We were finding that stuff before we even talked to these people. So we, uh, we eventually arranged a a chance to interview and speak to both of them and they kind of took us through it and the guy is like going listen um he goes i he again he's a cult deprogrammer he's never really brushed up against the occult until this and then he's going i think that underneath all of this that a lot of the people that are involved with this get involved with it because it's vulnerable children mm-hmm. uh they're in an isolated area and he goes a lot of them are involved in some sort of weird occult activity and he goes it's a perfect front for it you know, he goes, there's apparently been kids go missing out of these all the time. He and they just that- say, all oh, they ran away. Yeah. You know what I'm saying so. And then the kids are just never seen again. And he thought that his words, that he thought that some of these kids were being ritualistically murdered up through there mm-hmm. and then just hidden up that they were. And he goes, there's a lot of, he goes, he didn't know how far it extended, but he thought they had support from the top and that we start kind of looking at that angle and I'm going, well, you know what? There's just so much, there's so much human misery up in that area from the activities that are taking place that 
if some of this cryptid and paranormal stuff, if it's able to feed off of that energy, this is a perfect spot. It's a feast at that point. It's a feast at that point. And I'm going, maybe they're up there operating independently from this other phenomena that's going on, but maybe that other phenomena is being strengthened by it. And that's why we're having all of these experiences, Mm -hmm. seeing these weird lights. Um, Maybe that's why the activity is so high up there. Um, Maybe it's just somehow being strengthened by like the human activity that's going on up yeah, you've and got, maybe that's the end goal of what the humans are doing. Maybe yeah. they're trying to. Maybe they're trying to strengthen this stuff. They're trying to summon Cthulhu, is what they're trying to do. And like, they, yeah. you know, it, yeah, exactly right. I mean, we had we've got a one video where we leave Jesse alone in that that clearing, that particular clearing, as, yeah. and we basically say, "I'm going to leave you as bait," and I go continue up the side of the mountain <laughs> where it's going to be a walkie-talkies. Well, she puts a night vision camera up on a tripod facing her. Well, you get these two lights that seem like their eyes they move in and you know they're they move joined together they kind of seem like a head tilt but comes up over a shoulder it's right behind you can't see shoulder. a body but they behave just like eyes and then they dip back off and then she's sitting there and she closes her eyes and she's just you know kind of basically talking you see a light come over the out of the ground it looks like over her shoulder just like really briefly and it's not a flashlight beam it's not a camping lantern it's like that whole section of the woods just lights up for a second, mm-hmm. appears like the light's coming from the ground, and then it just goes back out. She never saw it. We didn't realize it until we reviewed the footage. Yeah, that happened when I tried on. to connect with whatever this entity was. Yeah. I closed my eyes and tried to connect with whatever was out there, and just that light emerges behind me. Um, and that was just such a strange... Right after that, we're hiking out of there. And we see this white wolf in the middle of the path. And we actually get it on camera. It's in the video. If you zoom in there, you can see the shine of its eyes. Really weird, though. It's like like hunkered low to the ground and kind of angular and like very sickly looking, um, but moved extremely fast. The solid white. Yeah. Because, so the idea of, I've heard it put before, elemental technology. So aligning certain, right, let's say certain rocks in a certain formation, we know that they do this. And then blood technology, where if you let the blood on the ground, right, it charges the area. And now you're touching on a part that's really interesting because all these Wendigo stories are about what you have to give. You have to do a certain thing, right? A, A sacrifice, essentially a ceremony in order to become this, this creature, this this demon essentially is what it is something right you you transform into it almost like a vampire or a werewolf but and then you're talking about you saw like the sickly looking wolf could it have potentially been some sort of transformation i don't you know what i'm saying like i don't know I, like i said it's it's you know you see that with the navajo with the skinwalker as well mm-hmm. it's one of the things you have to murder like a family member you have to do these these acts that basically kill whatever little human humanity these people have left at that mm-hmm. point. And, you know, it's weird because when you first hear this stuff, you're, I mean, we're into some weird stuff, obviously, but these people are telling us the story about how they think this occult is tied into this wilderness therapy camp and there's children going missing and this and this. And I'm going, you know, but if, if something like that was going on, this is a perfect front. For oh us. yeah. Because you, you know? have a constant stream of children coming in. Yeah. They're isolated uh, they're troubled kids, so you can say they ran away or something happened because the woods are dangerous. Fell yeah. off a waterfall, you know, anything well, like that. And then the other thing, too, is I started to think about is is that, A, there's a lot of wealthy parents that put their children in there. And I'm going, well, you know, there's there's so many rumors of, like, a lot of these, like, wealthy families, these multi-generational wealthy families, they're, they're tied into a lot yeah. of this stuff. And like you mentioned, you know, sometimes you have to make that sacrifice in order to advance yourself 
in this, you know, I don't know what the word would be, supernatural manner. And I'm going, so maybe the parents are kind of in on it to a certain extent. And even if they're not, maybe it's not the wealthy kids that are being sacrificed or going missing up there. Maybe this they're is partaking a, in a ritual. This is a perfect front for like human trafficking children. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, say you were to grab some kids off the street of like Tucson, Arizona, and then send them to the mountains of North Georgia in a van. And these kids, most of them are drugged up by the time they get there because they have behavioral problems. Mm-hmm. So they keep them, you know, they keep them medicated. And then, you know, when the medication wears off, if the kids are going, hey, I'm not supposed to be here, da 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 sure, this is just another crazy kid talking at this point. Nobody's going to pay attention to that. It's a perfect cover for it. And that ties in with what these people said was going on. The guy was going, there's kids going missing up there. He goes, one girl they claim supposedly drowned in a pool next to a waterfall. Remember yeah. that? And he was just going, I think she was killed in some sort of ritualistic manner. And this one they had to cover up to a certain extent. And it's when you start to kind of dig into it a little bit, I mean, there's obviously like a human trafficking network with children going on worldwide, you know? Um, And it seemed like the more we learned about this particular thing in North Georgia, um, it seemed like none of it was like a bridge too far to cross. All of it kind of seemed plausible once we started digging into it. And the more stuff we found out in the woods, we kept finding ritual sites in different areas. We were also finding children's clothing that was kind Mm -hmm. of ripped um, and it was in very, very remote areas of the forest. We were finding these like triangles made out of um, limbs yeah. that were put together out there and stone circles. And, and yeah, it's interesting because up. the triangle in mm-hmm. Goetia, they use it to 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 summon entities, which is really yeah. interesting. Yeah. And, and obviously and you stepped whole... through the, I saw you guys step through the triangle, right? No big deal. Yeah. Well, that's not that far from where we saw that, that light anomaly, that burning light, that portal or whatever. Yeah. And what's crazy is, is we went back to that area where we saw that burning light the next day and we found these weird glyphs made with sticks on the ground, pretty much near where the the light was at. If it wasn't exactly where it was, it was right next to it. And in that area, like we're very tech heavy in what we do. I always like say that we, we approach like really irrational topics as rational as possible. So we're up there with like Geiger counters, spectrum analyzers, tri-field meters, just all Because we're stuff. trying to get data on yeah. this too. Maybe you can't, maybe you can't, like understand all of it, but maybe you can see points of commonality. Maybe you can see trends. Maybe you can see patterns. And we're up there and we're catching like weird stuff. We're catching like low level residual radiation. I'm catching, we didn't catch much on the EMF detectors up there, but I caught some really weird like stuff on the spectrum analyzer that seemed anomalous at that Mm -hmm. time. Um, Just some really weird stuff up there. But again, it's all right next to where these like weird, stick glyphs are and we've ran into those in several spots usually if we run into something weird in the woods if you go there like a day later and you look around long enough you're gonna find one of these little stick patterns in the ground yeah it's the same symbol over and over again and we've been finding the symbol in that area for Mm -hmm. i want to say five years Years now now. and you'll see people and it's the same symbol that made out of sticks in all of these areas where we've had this really strange activity and and you know we'll have people comment on our videos and they're going oh that's the sasquatch that's the bigfoot these are the glyphs they're leaving and i'm like no i don't think so man i think this is i think this is evidence of what the people up here are doing at this point none of that screams like cryptid you know, it screams like it's a summoning. It's, it's been a summoning ritual. It and screams this is, a ritual to me. Up yeah. There, and know? this is in the mountains, correct? Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. It's very, very remote part of the mountains up there. Not There's no real 
recreational type stuff available up there. Um, there's a few small waterfalls, but they're hard as hell to get to. There's no camping. There's up not there. a lot of trails through there. Not um, a lot of trails some, through there. Some of that area is a wildlife management area. But... And we've seen one hunter up there who was shocked to see us because he he was a hunter like in name only. He basically went up there to drink beer and get away from his wife. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just like, I don't really, I've never really seen anybody else up here before. And I'm going, well, you know, it's a hunting area. And he goes, yeah, it's a hunting area, but there's really no deer up here. And we're going, well, this is like a prime spot for deer, man. Most most of this region's being overran with deer right now because areas are being clear cut. There's more food sources. The deer population's like exploding through here. And he's like, yeah, I don't really see a lot of deer around here, but I kind of like it that way, you know? Um, and we're just like, well, have you ever seen anything weird up here before? And he'd had a few things where he thought he'd seen like large nests mm -hmm. that seemed kind of odd to him, like ground nests. But he was like, I'm not up here after dark, though, you know, and he just goes, it's a little eerie up here after dark. Mm -hmm. And he's right. It's, it's damn eerie up there after dark. So and, and the reason I asked if it's in the mountains, because there is the magicians in the mountains in Japan. There's a certain mm -hmm. during the eighth and ninth century, there was a mountain worshiping religion. And they mm -hmm. thought that by ascending and descending these peaks, they would gain supernatural powers, become these sort of demons and mm -hmm. shapeshifters. You have Crowley climbing mountains, right? He's a, he was a mountaineer. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of elites that like to climb. Everyone's, let's go to Mount Everest, right? There's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. And there are literally certain religions that they believe they would acquire actual powers from going up mm -hmm. these mountains because they, they felt it was... These places were closer to the sun. Some people think mm -hmm. that the sun is a portal. So they think there was like some sort of supernatural metaphysical connection with the mountain itself. And I mean, I've been the strangest sign whenever you go to Gatlinburg, right? Right before going into the Smokies, it tells you, right? The It's a like Gatlinburg, a gateway to the Smokies. It's like, a what are you, yeah. what? Like, what are you, what are you saying? Like, it's like a portal. I'm opening up a portal. I'm sticking my head in. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, and just ballparking, because we don't know, again, we've never had that like face-to-face -face, like Sasquatch encounter. We've seen what might've been a dogman on thermal. We've seen something in the LBL, mm -hmm. um, some sort of like bipedal creature in the LBL that didn't really match up with the dogman. And that was extremely fleeting. We've seen that. I've seen it once, Jesse's seen it twice, but we've never had that, but we've had other stuff happen. You know, we've, we've, we've caught weird light anomalies like for days, like on camera, we've caught like weird noises and everything like that. And it doesn't seem as if it's something that's here all the time. And that's part of the reason why we're going out really heavy on tech nowadays is because I think that some of this stuff is interdimensional. Some of this stuff is like portal related. I mean, I know that sounds crazy and I know that sounds like real new agey and everything, but at the same token, if you look at it just from a scientific, you know, wormholes are, are, are definitely very scientifically possible at mm -hmm. this point. A portal is basically just a small wormhole. Um, a black hole is something that sucks in everything, even information. Well, a portal might be putting out stuff. It might be putting out different, you know, gamma radiation, you know, stuff on the electromagnetic spectrum and everything. And that's part of the reason why we go out so tech heavy. And I think that that's why you see a lot of these electromagnetic phenomenon in areas where there's like cryptid or paranormal stuff. I mean, we've had battery drain like you wouldn't believe. I mean, we've had equipment just go down only in certain areas and only at certain times, but it's repeatable. There seems to be some sort of exchange of energy in these yeah. locations. So, I mean, it's, so that's, that's my working theory right now is that there's some sort of, and it's got to be intelligently controlled because you don't see these portals opening up in downtown Manhattan, Manhattan at like three o'clock on like a Friday afternoon. You know what I'm saying? 
they're they're only opening in certain places and they're only opening in ways to try to at it's least the observer safe. effect yeah exactly yeah. so that's one of the things that we kind of look at is we we go out with this tech stuff we don't know what it means but it seems like there's some sort of 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 pattern pattern to it but it might make sense down the road i mean yeah. it's, it's good to gather this data right now and get as much evidence and data as we can right now and maybe down the road we'll be digging through our notebooks and it'll make total sense yeah. for what this means so you have i talk a lot about alchemy on on the podcast mm -hmm. and paracelsus one of right the more mm -hmm. influential alchemists he would always talk about the nymphs elementals and these things that would Right. These entities that would exist in their realm, in their place. Right. And you hear about these stories, all how you're saying all throughout different religions, different cultures. You hear about the similar concept just with a different name, obviously, because it's going to have a different it's going to be. I've also heard it that it appears itself. It shows itself differently depending on what your culture um, influences, right? So it depends on who's looking. Yeah, that's a line from the Mothman prophecies. <laughs> you know? What do you look like? It depends on who's looking. Oh, and really? One of, the, one of the elementals he had mentioned was the gnomes that were supposed yes. to be a representation of Earth. Yeah. Well, you know, in the areas that we go to in North Georgia, especially. Oh, there's a history of, of Cherokee little people. Yeah, there. Cherokee we, little people and fire breathing mountain dwelling demons. Yeah. So it's, but the uh, that whole like gnome elemental type aspect you know so many cultures have stories of these little people that come out of the ground they seem to be of the earth and you know we started finding like small footprints in the north georgia mountains we never found large footprints yeah and people would be like area. well they're like juvenile sasquatch and i'm like yeah. well, where are the adults at i mean it's like the latchkey kid big yeah foot. you know it's like you know the it's like the the lost boys type thing but like the the bigfoot edition of it you know a bunch of kids no adults i'm going we're constantly finding these small footprints up here we're I dealing with something else completely. and then we start looking into it and that area is just rife with stories of the cherokee little people and where is this at? Roughly? What's that? Where is this North at? Georgia. North Georgia. North Georgia. And this is not yeah. near Hellier. Hellier was near Kentucky, right? No, Hellier. Yeah, Hellier is in Kentucky. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, because that was, but again, that was another interesting. Another story of small subterranean creatures that come out of the ground that are up to no good at this point. So. Yeah. Which is, it's really interesting because I relate this to perhaps the the missing 411 right these open mm -hmm. vast areas and i want to bring up here really quick that in the britannica they have right speaking of curly a century later a dazzling globe of electric fire appeared in the co cottage where british occultist alistair crowley was sta was staying which he described in detail in his autobiography he claimed that the floating mm -hmm. orb instantly exploded slightly shocking his hand so you have crowley talking about this orb lightning phenomenon right these orbs mm -hmm. i got a buddy of mine in, over in utah with he's got property that's adjacent to the skinwalker ranch and he mm -hmm. talks about these or being chased down by these orbs and that they can read your mind. They're telepathic and they have some sort oh, of. Yeah. So, like, I've also heard that these entities, even Bigfoot, they travel in this form. So it's like whenever whenever you want to have somebody who is in a certain camp, like, oh, the occult isn't related to cryptids or the cryptids isn't related to the occult. It's like, I think we're all talking about the same thing just from a yeah. different perspective, because I believe that reality is holographic so you know depending if you're looking at it this way you know a 4d thing that's coming in is going to look way different depending on which side you're looking at it from you know we yeah. just we don't have a we don't even have a tiny bit of an idea of what's going on i don't think anybody has even just a minuscule idea about what's really going on 
And it, but it, the whole thing about it being different aspects of maybe like an overarching phenomenon. I mean, it if it's not directly connected, it's related somehow, you know. Yeah. And it's just the fact that it it's you mentioned the missing four one one stuff. Um, you know, you look at that, and I don't think there's any one particular cause for these mysterious disappearances. But it seems like there's a lot of different things out there that maybe behave in similar manners. Um, one of the things that we always talk about is, is that you've got what are called class B encounters, class B Bigfoot encounters. Mm-hmm. And that's where somebody has, they think they've experienced or, or, you know, witnessed a Bigfoot, but they never saw them, but they saw associated stuff. They smelled a bad smell. They heard screaming. Things were thrown at them. Um, well, you know, if you were in a house and you weren't in the woods, you'd be calling an exorcist. You'd think that's poltergeist activity, <laughs> but because it's occurring in the woods, they, you know, ghosts happen in houses, you know, if anything in the woods weird, it's associated with Bigfoot at that point. And I'm going, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that what you consider Sasquatch activity is as prevalent as what a lot of people think it is. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of weird stuff in the woods. So can I ask a question? Do you mm-hmm. think that some of the stuff that's going on in North Georgia, where you have these wilderness therapy camps, mm-hmm. what is the commonality here? You've got with poltergeists mm-hmm. and this activity. That's Juvenile, going on. Like children going through adolescence. Children going, going through going an adolescence. Into, it's yeah. that energy. Mm-hmm. It's that puberty that really sparks up poltergeist activity. It's like the exorcist. That that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do exactly. you think that that is feeding into this like wildergeist kind of thing, this, this poltergeist of the woods. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, you start seeing root commonalities and all sorts of stuff like this. You start seeing a lot of, I mean, if you look. Chosenone.com. Go visit Chosenone.com. It's easy to remember. If you just sing along. Chosenone.com. Go visit Chosenone.com. The Chosen One. Yes, he is a chosen one. He's got his own comic, and now he's got his own song. Cause he's a chosen one. Yes, he is a chosen one. Go buy a copy at chosenone.com. Chosenone.com. Go visit chosenone.com. It's easy to remember if you just sing along. Chosenone.com. Go visit Chosenone.com. A lot of like Bigfoot like encounters that people describe to you. There's not a lot of difference between some of these Bigfoot encounters and a UFO encounter, even if no mm-hmm. UFO was seen or anything like that. You know, um, I saw it, it was there. It seemed to have some sort of strange like physical effect on me, and then it was just gone. Um, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot is the concept of as above, so below. I mean, the American population is pretty accepting about the fact and whether it's a psyop or not, but the American population is pretty accepting of the fact that there's weird stuff going on in the skies right now that can't be explained, that seems to behave in methods that, you know, in manners that don't really mesh with our understanding of the physical universe. Well, there's equally weird stuff going on on the ground as well. And, you know, a lot of it doesn't seem to, you know, you mentioned the Patterson-Gimlin film. I'm not sure what, what I think about the Patterson Gimlin film. It doesn't really mesh. You go back and forth. On yeah. It. I mean, it. when you talk to these witnesses, none, most of their encounters don't really match up with like the Patterson Gimlin film. It looks kind of sloppy. It moves kind of slow, you know, doesn't really care whether you see it or have not. Have you seen the, um, the, the stabilized version of that? Have you seen that? Yeah, I have. Yeah. It, 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 looked, it does not look like a suit. But it doesn't match up with most of what people describe. You always hear about blinding speed. 
Um, you know, it was there, then it was gone. That's certainly not what happened. The thing just saunters away kind of casually at this point. But it mm-hmm. it it definitely it, there's there's some sort of of connection between all this stuff. But what it is, I have no clue. Um, but there's definitely maybe they're drawn to similar areas for you know their own individual reasons, and maybe these are like powerpoints. Again, you start getting really like new agey with it. But again, we've, we've been out there, we've experienced this stuff. We've been able to capture some of it mm-hmm. on our instrumentation and our cameras and all of that. So it's, it's there. I mean, I thought the concept of a dog man was ridiculous up until <laughs> we went to the LBL the first time. Yeah, we uh, went to the LBL kind of on a lark. We really didn't believe that dog man We were making jokes up until the day we, well, I mean, even driving there, we were making jokes about it. So. Yeah, and we were kind of on the fence about going. We discussed going, all right, we might go, we might go. And then we just started receiving all of these reports from basically a column down the middle of North Carolina, uh, starting in Blowing Rock and going all the way down to King Mount- King's Mountain. And it was just all these people getting in touch with us and they're independent and of they're each seeing other, werewolves, but they're, they're seeing yeah. werewolves like yeah. each, each person. And it was all very quickly. It was like rapid fire is within a two week period. We received all of these reports directly about people seeing and experiencing upright canids, these werewolves. One lady had one that was coming around her house and urinating on her windows of her basements. Um, and then we had a young girl that was on a run up in blowing rock, North Carolina. And something stood up on two legs and started to chase her. Her father got in touch with us about that incident. And then we had a guy that got in touch with us that told us about this upright canid that chased his vehicle. He was with his friends in a vehicle. We went to that location and he took us to the spot where it happened. He described it. He's actually a, um, he's a preacher now. He's a, he's completely above reproach. He is a very honest and sincere man. And he absolutely saw what he saw. And he told us about this happening. So when this all started happening, Joe and I usually, when something, these, these coincidences start to pile up, we just go with where the universe is taking us. Mm-hmm. So we were like, let's do it. Let's go to the land between the lakes. Because that figures very prominently in like the dogman mythos, basically. Yeah. Um, literally, we looked at each other and went, well, I guess we're investigating dogman right now. It's where the universe wants us to go yeah. to. But we're still making fun of it the whole <laughs> time because the idea of Sasquatch is one thing, but come on, man, an upright... An upright like werewolf. Is still- well, here, here's here's the interesting aspect about the Bigfoot and the dog, right? So you have this ape, and then you have mm-hmm. the dog, which is really interesting mm-hmm. because I've I've called these like like alchemical cryptids because mm-hmm. right, you're talking about the ceremonial aspect of it. Well, I do think right chimeras are a thing. I do think that alchemically, I mean, there's stories of it. I I talk about the homunculus all the time, right, which is a, a an alchemically created being. Well, these alchemists were also writing about creating creatures that were chimer, you know, chimeric in nature, whatever it is. And the ape is an interesting one because they occultist it was the animal of choice for magicians because Mm -hmm. it was a liminal species it's a species it's an animal that's not fully beast and it's not fully human Mm -hmm. so therefore it exists in this in-between gray area Mm -hmm. so therefore they they use it for these occultic rituals the dog the dog is interesting in the occult because usually you have the devil associated with the Mm -hmm. dog mephistopheles the dog the the black shaggy dog you also have Mm -hmm. stories of tortured souls being reincarnated as dogs so you have this weird connection with the gut mm-hmm. with the dog and then dog spelled backwards is god right so there's this connection mm-hmm. with god as well the, yeah. the the dog star all these different things so 
I think what I think is happening when it comes to all these people collect because it gets into the fundamental phenomenological approach where it's like you can't tell mm-hmm. these people otherwise they saw what they saw they experienced yeah. oh, what right. they experienced so it makes me think of carl Jung, where he's talking about these uh, mm-hmm. alchemists and they're like wait a minute these alchemists were were transmuting reality mm-hmm. maybe not perhaps on the physical level but the psychological level so you get into this exactly. realm of warping your own reality and these people are experiencing these things i've talked to people who have, who've seen things before too and it's like you can't, you can't, hey, it's symbolic. You just saw a dog man symbolically. It's like, no, I saw what I saw. And the weird part about dog man and Bigfoot is that whenever somebody sees Bigfoot, they want to go after another Bigfoot again. Like, I want to see Bigfoot. I want to hug him. I want to, I want to, I want to do whatever to him. And it's like when they see dog man, they're like, I don't ever want to see that thing ever again. Yeah. It's like almost like a demonic presence, like evil versus like Bigfoot's like a big teddy bear or something. I don't know. I just, there are those Bigfoot encounters where people are just terrified. We, yeah. we've talked to people like that all the time they're pretty traumatic they're not all of them but but dogman pretty much universally you're right I, they seem to they seem to bring forth like this feeling of like just existential dread basically you there's know? also instances of mind speak with dogman there's uh instances where people have said that they could hear the creature in their mind and it's looking at them, but they could hear it in their minds saying that I could kill you right now if I wanted to. I'm, I'm greater than you are. You know, you're, you're inferior to me on every manner. I could just snuff you at any moment that I wanted to. It's this implied threat the whole time. And people will be like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's just a scare tactic. You know, nobody's ever really attacked by these things. And I'm going that, you know, of. that, you know, <laughs> of. you know, I mean, if people go missing all the time. And like I said, there might be there might be cases of people being like, I, I think that a lot of this stuff, I don't get it like a warm fuzzy from hardly any of this stuff at all. I don't think it has humanity's best. If it if it's not flat out evil, it's so alien and indifferent to us at this point. Um, you'd mentioned Cthulhu like jokingly earlier, kind of like that. Like they, they're not necessarily, they don't, we're just insignificant. And if we get hurt along the way, we get hurt along the way. And um, but- the the one case that really did it for me and then when you start to see the pattern because you said like no one's been attacked well the 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 it's called the cock county animal attacks where if you start to look down that rabbit hole it's like wait a minute everyone's kind of like so skittish about it and there's all these animal attacks nobody knows what the animal is but yet people are being attacked by these animals and that's what solidified it for me of these dogmen encounters where like wait a minute there's actual people being attacked by unidentified things. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's in the news one day, and then it's just gone, and you just don't hear about it again. And it seems like that would be, like, such a sensational thing, is this woman was eaten by yeah. a, a mysterious pack of dogs, or uh, the Godsey case, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Corey Godsey is a kid that was in... Uh, Cock County, wasn't it? No, he was in Knott County, Knott County, Not Kentucky. Kentucky. And he was killed, and it, they tried to spin it as if it was done by feral dogs in the neighborhood. Um, After and that's weeks a really weird of investigations, because, uh, the coroner was put under a gag order. He couldn't really talk. Um, we've spoken to people that live in that area, and it's a very rural area. Uh, the kid was staying with relatives. It was, you know, the it's a very impoverished area. And some of the stuff that you heard coming out about this story was really weird, talking about how he was drug up the side of a mountain towards these caves and that the, and again, this is secondhand information. I I can't swear to it, but we heard it from more than one person. And 
they were talking about how the police showed up, you know, state police, I guess, have jurisdiction over that area. There's no local police department. It's very, again, very sparsely populated. And that they said that people came in from this quote unquote, the state, some sort of like weird state animal control unit and went up there and then brought down these like dead sickly dogs, like these little mutts basically going, oh, they're just, it was a pack of wild dogs living in this cave system. That drug him straight, that drug up, the him straight the up the side of the mountain. But it's okay, everything's under control now, but we really don't want you guys to talk about it. We don't want to scare the public, mm-hmm. you know? And they're showing these like, you know, 35 pound dogs that couldn't carry like a small boy like that. Mm-hmm. And there's, and you know, we talked about before about the cave systems, Kentucky's riddled with caves. And, you know, that's where Mammoth Cave is. And these things were supposedly coming out of like a cave or an abandoned mine shaft on the side of the mountain. Well, you know, who knows how far that runs in there. And I could see maybe dogs taking, if it was a pack of wild feral dogs, taking shelter and like an, you know, an overhang. They're not going to go and live in a cave system. Or a know, mine shaft. Or a mine shaft or anything like that. Maybe just in the, you know, right in the entrance to stay out of the elements or whatever. But they were going, oh, it's these pack of wild dogs that are, but it's okay. We killed them all. It's okay now. Kentucky is yeah. full of werewolf-esque lore. You've got the mm. Beast of LBL. You've got the Waddy Werewolf. Waddy Werewolf. Barilla. Gateway Werewolf. But it's weird. Like, every little section has their own individual, like, werewolves. But that's the only state that I know of that is just littered with werewolf-esque stories. And that state also has an unusually high number of, like, quote-unquote mysterious animal attacks yeah. where yeah. all they suffer. And again, here's the deal. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, people would get bitten by dogs and stuff like that, but you didn't hear about people just basically being torn to shreds, not on a regular basis, but there's a lot of stories out there of people. There was a lady, you know, a teacher in North Carolina that supposedly got attacked by a pack of wild dogs and ripped on the side of the road on her morning jog. Um, I don't remember stuff like that happening when I was a kid. I just, I, or maybe it just didn't make the news. I don't know. But nowadays, especially through Kentucky, you have like weird livestock attacks that are attacked by like, you know, mysterious, like they say, stray dogs, um, you know, full grown horses taken down. There was that guy who was breeding bulls that were, you know, the, the cows and the bulls were taken down supposedly by dogs. Um, but yet, you know, usually, you know, like if it's a pack of wild dogs, that's gonna be pretty easy to find, I would think, you know, I mean, even in a countryside, you can find them. But mm-hmm. it, it just seems like that area of Kentucky, it seems like it, I don't know what's, if it is wild dogs, they got a real wild, they got a real bad wild dog problem through there. And you would think that you would see them trying to do something to get that under control publicly. And you don't really see that. So, yeah. And there's also, I'm trying to find here the, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this story, Magdalena Solis, the high pre- priestess of blood. Or she was a leader of a cult. I'm trying to. I, I believe it was this one where they made this this small village of people believe that they were gods incarnated. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I want to say there was like werewolves involved with that one inside the yeah, the caves. Yeah, they uh, they uh, it was like a couple of con men, wasn't it? it yes. Wasn't she like a prostitute that they had gotten that basically they convinced all these rural villagers to that they were basically gods, that they were the the instruments of her, and she was like this divine deity. But the whole time, they're basically, it's just, they're a criminal organization, right? If I remember correctly. Powerful were, exiled Inca gods. <laughs> yeah, and they were using like just, they. but then they started really getting into the occult and all of that. And there were like stories of werewolves on the edges, outskirts of the village. Yes. And all that. Yeah, 
I'm not overly familiar with that story, but I, I remember hearing about it when it came out. So, so I mean, that whole aspect of what would mm-hmm. you call them? You called them the the wilderness therapy camps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just it's it's a lot of the stuff that seems like it ties in together, and it, it there's something that that seems like it ties in, even if the creatures appear to be physical flesh and blood. They tie into consciousness and human belief as well. You know, you were talking about young, that idea of like a tulpa, like yes. a mind construct, um, where basically the mind is given, uh, you know, a thought, physical form in the material world at that point. That's something that and Jesse just, always it talks It gains about. strength as you yeah. give it more power. Well, th- that's how much, how much I think, like how much of this phenomenon is that all, all of us collectively, the hundred monkey theory mm-hmm. where a hundred of us tap into it and then i said you keep feeding it and keep feeding it and it becomes this thing where it's it's literally just a projection of our subconscious mm-hmm. collectively but then the interesting part about the lbl is that you have oak ridge with their little collider that's there and it's mm-hmm. like how much of it can you attribute it to that where they're yeah. messing with stuff that they call science or as i like to call it seance right because it's kind of sort of the same thing the occult and quantum physics right just a big word mm-hmm. but it's the same thing it's these forces yeah. that they don't know what they are how to harness them and they're just they're just clashing atoms together to see what happens i mean there's i call them cinemagicians where they make movies of this like the the spider-man movies where they open up how you're talking about wormholes and portals early they open yeah. up wormholes that suck things in it's like well there's stories of people who are there just to guard from these portals they open up and whatever comes mm-hmm. out of it they have to interact with it. And it's like, how much of it is that? And the idea of, I mean, the Montauk project and all these different mm-hmm. government involved projects where they they obviously have an interest in this technology. And I remember re- fairly recently, the super soldiers in, I think it was Ukraine. I think it was that there were supposedly there was these super mm-hmm. soldiers. And I mean, that's Captain America, like all these different things. Like, yeah. is there a, uh, I think there's a possibility for things like that where the government, I mean, they came out a month ago talking about artificial embryos where they don't even mm-hmm. need a man or a woman anymore. They're artificially yeah. creating yeah. people. It's like, uh, what are you trying to get at there? Like, and what that are you- there, it's part of the whole deal is, is it's like the Tulpa effect too. It's the revelation of the method. They're going to mm-hmm. show you what they're doing. And then once it's planted into the public's mind, then it can gain power. It might be a combination yeah. It might be a combination of this psychic energy being dedicated to it and feeding it, but also their production of it. it might be all these little puzzle pieces together or all just little bricks in the wall that are bringing about whatever this is. It's, it's part of the ritual of bringing these forces into our world. Real quick little side note, when you had mentioned about just the, the belief and how the belief gets stronger and then maybe you know the, the physical manifestations of these creatures increase, um, in North Georgia, there's a Bigfoot museum. It's called Expedition Bigfoot that opened up. And in that area, once the museum opened up and people started visiting, Bigfoot sightings skyrocketed. <laughs> skyrocketed. And that was one of the things that Jesse and I talked about as we were going, all right, if there's something to this Tolpa ideal idea, now you have people from all over the country that are coming through, they're congregating in one place, and Bigfoot is on their mind, they're talking about it, driving there. Allegedly, they have a Bigfoot uh, turd there as well. <laughs> yeah, the <You'll>... <laughs> a little interesting bit of trivia, but that just possibly, we were going, is it just the the act of all of these people, the mental energy that they're mm-hmm. putting forward about this topic, is it making these happen? 
And then to the point of like synthetic embryos, you like you were talking about, that's something that we've discussed before that, that you've got synthetic life and you know, you're big into the whole homunculus idea is so if they have these synthetic embryos and these things become alive, well, where's that driving force? Where's that soul coming at? You know, are there, are there, I always think that they're, you know, obviously the universe is a lot weirder than what we think it is. And then when you get into the idea of other dimensions and there's that running theme that it seems to be things outside of our dimension that want to get in, well, here's a perfect opportunity for you at this point. Um, here's a, here's a vessel, you know, it's able to move through the material world. It's got senses and feet and hands. There's just no soul there. Well, where's that going to come from at this point? You know, if they bring some of these like synthetic embryos to, to fruition, you know, if they put them in a synthetic womb and they basically pop out a synthetic baby, what's going to be the, the spiritual driving force of that? Where's yeah, that going to come from? So it needs that spark. Yeah, exactly. So. Well, I mean, yeah, you get into the whole Frankenstein story. Even even Crowley mm-hmm. talked about the moon children and he, yeah, in yeah. his writing, he talks about secret organizations know about this technology. And it's like, wait, are you referring to the OTO? Or are you referring to the three letter agencies? Who are you talking mm-hmm. about? Because, Recently, I think it was Greer talked about how because the the phenomenon and, and it's interesting how many people don't know about crop circles and how many people don't know about mm-hmm. cow mutilations and how bizarre that phenomenon is. But mm-hmm. he Greer talked about how these alien greys, there's a sect of them that are actually government created man made beings, and they're mm-hmm. the ones responsible for all the cow mutilations and abductions. Like. Wait, so are they getting us ready for like a homunculus disclosure, mm-hmm. like a soft, you know, he's talking about like, hey, these things are actually, well, there's some real ones, but then there's some that are biologically made in the lab. It's like, okay. And then yeah. they just came out with a clone Tyrone and they showed like entire cities are just clones. Like, what do they speak? Because they speak to the subconscious and the subconscious is an important aspect when it comes to a lot of things. I mean, I've heard it that what, like. 80% of your choices that you make is made subconsciously, not like with your conscious okay. mind. So mm-hmm. it's like, what are they, what are they planting in that subconscious that they want to just leave it there? And like that top, like slender man, like that was a topa. That was a thought form mm-hmm. that made people do some heinous stuff, but it was just, again, this, this metaphysical. And that's what, that's what I think that literature and like all these books and all these things where their portals uh, to manifest mm-hmm. things in and we kept talking about cthulhu well hp lovecraft was mm-hmm. being given these ideas of the cthulhu mythos through his yeah. dreams so it's like exactly. are there entities outside of space and time that want to manifest themselves any way they can and hey let's start off by just having a few books written about us right to go ahead and, and you know, make an entire mythos there's parallels between what you you always have to correct me on the name, Madame Blavatsky, Blavatsky, who seemed like she she gained all this knowledge from these like ascended elders. Um, I always think of like H. lizard men, like you said, possibly in the exact same thing. A lot of this stuff came to him through his dreams. You know, was there maybe a source for that? You know, Elvis was interested in Blavatsky's writings. You know, so you've got so many influential yeah. people who are huge cultural figures who are just putting this stuff out there. And you know that there is so much power behind the, the the psychic ability and the power of the human mind. That the CIA was doing remote viewing experiments, they were doing psychokinetic experiments, and they were having successes. John Alexander, um, Colonel John Alexander, has talked about yeah, there were some successes, but it's not as successful or reliable as a bullet in war- warfare. But there are some successes. The fact that there's any successes at all when it comes to remote viewing Mm -hmm. or psychokinetic 
uh, ability is huge. That's huge. So the CIA has dumped a lot of money and time and effort into exploring that. And I'm sure they've gleaned something out of that that they can implant these these thoughts, they can implant these ideas, and they'll just simply grow, and then they'll build it by the collective unconscious. And to veer back for a second, you'd mentioned something about the, the Greer idea that some of the alien greys are obviously creatures from somewhere else, and then some of them are maybe created by the government, you know, for whatever reason. I always kind of have that same parallel with some of the other weird stuff that's out there, that like, you know, Dogman, Sasquatch, anything like that, that some of it might be foreign entities from another reality, uh, maybe some sort of crypto terrestrial that's able to stay hidden here. Um, some of it might be the product of government experiments. We know that if a government, you know, if our government got its hand on alien tech, it's going to try to, you know, reverse engineer it for its own benefit. They're saying they're doing that right now. Yeah. So, I mean, if they were to perhaps get the remains of or come in possession of a creature with like abnormal abilities Mm -hmm. they're going to try to make their own version of it they're going to try to weaponize it they're going to try to control it um so i always think that you know some of this stuff that people report dogman sasquatch some of it might be the core entity and then some of it might very well be the product of a black budget experiment (laughs) black budgets matter if they knew if they knew that that stuff existed and they got their hands on samples living or dead they're going to try to replicate it and they're going to try to control it mm-hmm. for power at that point. So, Well, I remember growing up in Puerto Rico, I was probably six or seven years old, hearing stories of my dad, my dad and his friends, my uncle and my aunt. They had something hit their back wall, right? So mm-hmm. they had their house like lining. It was, a, it was like a river or a creek. I don't know whatever you want to call it. And they had this wall. It was concrete wall. And something in the middle of the night swung and punched or hit the wall and it left a crater like like a, a circle or crater. And I also heard stories of my dad's friends staying up all night at their ranch because there was something sucking the blood dry from their livestock and they would stay up with shotguns trying to find whatever was doing it. There were stories of uh, the you know these clawed hands coming in through the through the the shutter on the island they have shutters through the shutters and, and trying to grab people. I grew up with stories of the chupacabra being this sort of alien government experiment gone wrong that got released into the the Puerto Rican rainforest. And then mm-hmm. when it got to over here, it turned into like this weird, stupid looking dog with like mange. Yeah. And I was like, dog. I was like, wait, it's I was like, because in some circles, there's been a lot of <laughs> argument on that. What do they call the Texas one? The Texas terror dog or the Texas double dog oh, or something yeah, like that. Because yeah. yeah, it seems like it's, it's one name for two completely dissimilar type of entities at that point. The Puerto Rican one is kind of reptilian in a way. Yeah, right? so it was an alien with, back with and, spikes yeah. running down his back, big eyes. And then mm-hmm. I remember seeing it over here and they're like, oh, the chupacabra strikes again. I'm like, that's not a chupacabra. That's not a knife. This is a knife. You know, like there's the there's yeah. the OG chupacabra, but yeah, who yeah. knows if the the collective conscious changed and morphed it into something else. You know what I'm saying? Like they 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 changed it up and it became mm-hmm. whatever everyone was being because the media is powerful, and I think that's a, a something that they use to mold people's ideologies and consciousness too to make them think mm-hmm. whatever they want. So. As of lately, again, we're in this community. It feels like there's a lot more dogmen encounters or what mm-hmm. everyone's calling dogmen. Because I've also heard the other side of the corner where people are like, no, this, you know, that's a, 
what the hell they call it, the bear, bear man or bear, whatever. I don't know. What's, there's all sorts of names for it. Yeah. <laughs> something else. Yeah. But they were arguing about how sometimes it's ridiculous to just keep calling everything that you see a dog man. But it's like, again, when is that shift going to happen? Because it feels like I, I remember I read a book one time where I think God got pissed off when there was all these cameras on earth and he, he, he sent like this storm and drowned everybody. I don't know if that's going to happen again soon because mm-hmm. it feels like there's all these different things going on and there, it, it feels like we're building up to some sort of climax, but I feel like we say that every, every few years, like, Oh, this is going to be the yeah. year. This yeah. is it. This, this is the apocalypse. Yeah. And, it's, and it's weird. That's one of the, something we talk about a lot is that is activity on the rise or is it just, we're talking about, we're it talking more. about it more. I mean, it's, you mentioned, you know, I'll go back to your dogman thing and then we'll go back to this. Uh, you know, people are thinking about dogman a lot. People are mm-hmm. talking about dogman a lot. It's really at the forefront of the cryptid conversation. Um, you could have Sasquatch uh, sightings from long ago that are just misidentified dogmen. That could be a possibility that people have been seeing this thing for a long time, just misidentifying it because the only thing that they got approximated to is a Sasquatch because it's a hairy creature on two legs um but now there's a name for it and there's kind of something going out into the public and into the wider knowledge about there being upright canids dogmen so there's something a label you can put on this thing that people are seeing now but i think that because there's a distinction to be made between dogmen and werewolves right there's a there's a distinction there there's like well, I, I think the metamorphosis, the yeah, change. The, the metamorphosis, but one of the things that you have to deal with is that when we get into these rural areas and we see it through the Carolinas, Georgia, especially through Kentucky, um, in the when I call it folklore, you know, because people will go, hey, this, this property has been in my family for like five generations. We've been seeing them up here. They call them werewolves. Mm-hmm. The, the term dogman is really not that well known. It's getting better known right now. But if you see an upright canid or an upright wolf, you're going to think it's a werewolf, whether you saw it change or not. And that's what we mostly would have people report to us that I saw. It's going to sound crazy, but I saw a werewolf. There's a werewolf trying to get in my house. There's a werewolf that comes down, tries to get into a, you know, our livestock pens. Because that's the closest cultural yeah. reference they've got. And that's what they call it. So if you walk up to them and go, oh, if you had a dogman sighting, they're not going to know what the hell you're talking right. about. You know, to them, it's a werewolf because that's what it looks like um but yeah i mean if you want to split the hairs with it i i I guess the assumption would be that a dog man's always in that shape and then a werewolf has some sort of transformation that i've heard one has a tail the other one doesn't it's like yeah you know it's it's weird because when you start looking at the reports like that there's there's a lot of variation in what people see some people some reports it looks almost just like a sasquatch with like a wolf head some reports it looks like just like a timber wolf that just happens to be on its hind leg. Sometimes it looks like a nubus. Well, you said you a know? Sasquatch with a dog's head, you said? Sometimes you see them and they have like, people report them that they have regular legs, they have regular feet, but just with claws. And the um, proportions are what you would expect from a Sasquatch, Sasquatch sighting. But it just happens to have a, a wolf-like head to it at that point. So we found a print in the LBL, in the Land Between the Lakes, that looks, it's not a human footprint it's not it doesn't appear to be a sasquatch footprint because everybody's seen those online and we've found those before it's not a regular canine print it looks like a a human-like footprint very deep in the ground but with claws coming out of the toes i was breaking in my new vibrams i'm sorry bro i didn't i didn't mean to (laughs) but it it's it's and i'm looking at it i'm going all right if if some of those accounts are to be believed this is what i would expect 
a clawed upright, upright bipedal. yeah to look like at this Canine. point so and it's funny because i've gone hunting for boar here right and mm-hmm. If there were, if there were to be something, I think it would be in Florida because the the population of boar would be able to sustain. Because, and I've also heard, I think, accounts of Florida dogmen too, if I'm not mistaken, over on the West Coast. And I remember I got taken to this spot, my buddy that he maintains them for hogs, and mm-hmm. we're up on the tree stand and we start talking about right, it's probably eleven or twelve o'clock at night and it's pitch black and we're just waiting around by the feeder for these hogs to come through. And we have an, uh, not a night vision. We had a, not a thermo night vision. And I asked my buddy, I was like, Hey dude, what if you were to turn on this scope and there was something staring back at you? Like just something that, uh, whatever. Yeah. Right. And he's like, well, it's funny you say that because in this area, there was, a, I believe it was a, a class A sighting off mm-hmm. of I-95. Uh, I was over by Grant Valkyrie, Florida, in that mm-hmm. area over there. And he said, off, it was like five aerial miles from where we were at. There was a Sasquatch sighting. And I looked mm-hmm. over him and I go, dude, you brought me to a or skunk ape sighting. Right? I was like, you brought yeah, me to yeah. where there was a skunk ape sighting. He's like, listen, dude, if I'm scared of anything out here, it's people. He's like, I had one time this guy show up barefoot, no shirt, just had pants mm-hmm. on, uh, a shotgun in one hand, walking through. He stopped in front of the of the trail cam, gave me a thumbs up, and then he was gone the next frame. He's like, I'm yeah. scared of those people. And what yeah. those, these people from the wilderness therapy camps that come out, I was like, hey, I want to yeah. show you about my Lord and, and Savior Cthulhu. You know, <laughs> we had some of those people yeah. from the wilderness therapy camp follow us. Yeah. Uh, one time we were, we were hiking up and like when we were out in the woods, we're doing this, we've got cameras, we got camera equipment. We got a camera on a tripod. We're hiking. we got our backpacks on because we hike out. We take everything with us, all of our research materials, all of our stuff to film everything, record everything. So we were hiking up and we figured out, where they were because they were actually out there when we were out there we could see kind of their little because they were they had the kids sleeping under tarps deep in the woods and we were out there and we were kind of trying to get kind of away from them because we didn't know if they had people watching or what was going on i did photograph them a little bit i got a little bit of footage of the tarps and everything and then we're headed up up the mountain and these guys just come right up behind us they didn't have packs they didn't have anything and they're just smiling at us. And they're like, what are you guys up to? And we're like, oh, we have a we have a YouTube channel where we uh, do hiking videos. Mm-hmm. We're just hiking out in the woods, yeah. you know, because we had cameras. You guys carry too, right, by the way? Do you oh, yeah, yeah. We, we're yeah. armed every time we go. Yeah, we both okay. carry every time yeah. we're out in the woods. But um, they're just kind of like, oh, that's cool. Oh, you guys have a great day. And it's like they didn't have anything with them. So they're yeah. not hikers. But they just came right up to just, I guess, see what we were up to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that human element's real weird. Cause they were real, you know, real Overly, nice. Yeah. <laughs> very, very like, it's like Stepford wives type, like yeah. behavior, just real wide eyed, like overly smiley face killer were... type vibes or it's yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there was yeah. that, that, and you know, that's, that's another thing that I, I, you know, people go missing out in the, the woods all the time and, you know, being out in the wilderness, it's unforgiving in certain areas. I mean, even in the Southeast, we don't have those like wide 
expanses of wilderness like you see in the Pacific Northwest or in Canada and Alaska, but um, we've got some pretty big wild areas down here and people go missing, you know, fairly frequently. And I'm like, a lot of this is like due to human activity, man. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, if you're, if you're somebody who, whether it's somebody acting on an individual basis, like a serial killer, or the smiley face killer thing just fascinates me because if you look into that, it, there's something going on. It's like a cold tick, but also there's something else. There's there's a wilderness therapy camps uh, situation going on as well. It's like a gang yeah. stalking, weird connection. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's weird. And when you start to find all of those like deaths associated with water, you know, those young men going missing out of the bars and everything like that. They're not seen on the security. One guy was leaving. like a champion swimmer, and they yeah, said he drowned, you know, but yeah. they're found in the water, but they didn't drown. You know, and yeah. a lot of times they can't determine a cause of death, but they have high levels of drugs like ruhipinol in their system and all that. Yeah, there's there's something going to for that. I mean, mm-hmm. but you get into these like areas like this. I think there's activity like that that goes on. But then you mentioned that shirtless guy with the, the shotgun. You know, <laughs> feral people is like Florida man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, a lot of these. It's weird because right now the southeast, this part of the country is being developed at like a really quick rate, yes. you know. So there's communities pushing into some of these areas that have been pretty remote for a long time. Well, you've got families that live up in some of these hollows that they don't really come out. The kids don't go to school, you know? They don't have like social security number or anything like that. You know, they were delivered in the home and they live there and they might come into like a more populated area for supplies occasionally, but they're, they're as feral as you can get in 21st century America. And you know like what is that movie wrong turn you yeah. know yeah i mean there's some wrong term <laughs> there, there's entire there. i think i forgot where it was there was the the incest filled family up in the uh, i think it was wisconsin or something up in the mountains somewhere there's like a whole thing about that i've seen that before where it's like these there's that family in west virginia um in odd west virginia is the town but they uh they're they're all inbred that uh photographer did a whole um, yeah. series on them but yeah there's that's there's more than just them out there i had to look at the name because i can never remember but shawnee bean was in 16th century scotland he had like a 45 or 50 person family that they were just insulated lots of incest going on and they were just eating travelers and this went on they had to call in like the army you know to actually come in and like finally just <laughs> burn them out at that point yeah. now that's 16th century scotland but here's the deal. Some of these areas, especially through, you know, the Appalachians and all that, they're hard to get into. Yeah. And there's really a lot of times there's no reason to go there. There's no hiking trails. There's no camping. There's nothing scenic, you know, there. Mm-hmm. And there's people that have gone into those hills and they just stay. I mean, we'll be out. We'll go out like through the national forests and stuff through here. And we'll go out and we'll come across what appears to be the remnants of like an old road. You can just tell where it had been leveled. Trees have grown up on it now, but you can tell it used to be a road once upon a time. And you go back in and you kind of follow it. And we come across, you know, the ruins of like an old family settlement or anything like that. Yeah, we find settlements out there all the time. I know um, you've mentioned before talking about like the stairs and the woods that go nowhere. Stairs and nowhere, all that. yeah. That's, there were settlements out all throughout these woods. We found spots like that all throughout the woods. We'll find uh, chimneys. We'll find foundations. We'll find some stone stairs. Um, that's because people lived all throughout these woods. And when they established the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, they had to get everybody off of that land. That's exactly what happened in the land between the lakes is they established these parks. They kick everybody off the land. But there were people that were living there for generations and generations. And some of them didn't leave. Some of them didn't leave. Yeah, and um, some of them are still there now. in know? the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, there is a swath of wilderness that is one of the widest, largest swaths of wilderness that is uninhabited. 
um, in the country and nobody can access it really. You cannot access it without helicopter or, and it's very, very rugged terrain. It's very rough. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a huge check, just a section out there that is just unexplored. Nobody goes out there and there's no telling what's going on in these areas. No, I think about that too, because I frequent the Everglades and the Everglades Mm -hmm. to me, it's like, it's like a magical place. And there's people who live out there in the Everglades. I mean, the, oh, yeah. there's people who, who you know, you've, you you can go on Google Earth and zoom in. And there's people who travel around with just an airboat and they, they live out there. And it's like, that's that would be wild. And I always think about that. I went to, when I went to Gatlinburg recently, I went over to, what's that cove? What's it called? The... Cade's Cove. Cove. And Mm -hmm. then I come to find out there's like some lore with that place. And can you imagine, because I think about this, I've, I've dug into Florida history extensively and like the, right, the robber barons that really pushed that, you know, Florida was the last frontier quite literally. And Mm -hmm. I think about what these settlers were experiencing back then. Can you imagine like a, you know, early 1900s, Florida, just wilderness just the vegetation they have sawgrass that just cuts you whenever you just walk by there's alligators everywhere there's snakes everywhere or even in that Cades cove where can you it's a beautiful place can you imagine when they Mm -hmm. first pulled up then they're like this is where we want to put our our cabins and you know this is like it's like it feels magical when you're out there really i mean it really does it's super beautiful you know so it's like these open areas that kind of call you in but then they're they're area they said the desert is the devil's mansion. Well, the jinn live in the desert and all these entities live in the desert. So I feel like there's something strange, the energy about these open areas. And then Florida, mm-hmm. that's next to the one of the 12 mile vortices, the Bermuda Triangle. So you have that mm-hmm. weirdness there. So again, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, I always think about what these settlers were experiencing when they would first come out here and, and just... Well, you know, I think they experienced... I mean, if you look at, in our area, it's the Cherokee and the Catawba, the Native American tribes that were through here. And there's a particular area, and it's it's where we saw that light at. It's where we ran into that wilderness therapy camp at. Well, there's stories going back to the Cherokee of stuff that they experienced. Well, then there's there's folklore from, like, the European settlers when they came into this area that are basically reporting the same damn thing. There's one area up there where they're hearing these mysterious booms, and we actually caught them on on camera one yeah. night these booms that have been reported up there for generations man they're not it's not mining this was taking place you know the natives were, were reporting this thing long before like europeans landed on the shore but it the native americans thought that the gods would gather on this mountain to play stickball and then they were chased off by those fire breathing like uh, demons that jesse mentioned earlier <laughs> and this was the sound of like combat going on and then the european settlers landed and they started hearing it and they thought it was ghostly cannon fire they thought of the battle must have been fought there. And these were the cannons of the, the ghosts. And now people just explain them away going, oh, somebody's setting off fireworks or they're dynamiting a mine. But we did get good audio of those. Yeah. Um, I think we got three instances of it on, on that video, but you can hear it. And it just sounds like somebody sounds like somebody's taking like a shipping container yeah. and raising it, you know, 60 feet in the air and then dropping it on very on percussive rock. thud but that's that's what they experienced so i think that a lot of the folklore that's been passed down is it's not just stories that were made up around a campfire i think it's experiences that a lot of these people had when they showed up in these areas 
Um, you know, you go into that area again, like, you know, Cades Cove or, you know, these spots in North Georgia or, you know, Kentucky when that was starting to be settled and it's areas that have just this natural weird energy and it's spooky enough for us with, you know, cell phone technology and just, you know, all the modern trappings that we have. Well, now think that you've just got like, you know, you've got a, a I was wagon. I going to say, it's spooky for us. We've got, we've got Glock 20s. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. But I mean, you know, you've got like a one-shot muzzleloader rifle, you know, your wife and your kids and a couple of oxen and a, and, you know, and a wagon at this point, and that's all you've got, you know, and you've been in those areas. They get dark at night, man. They get, yeah. I mean, it, it's unearthly how, it's like you're literally in another world at this point. Well, imagine that it's like that. And instead of it being 50 miles of that, it's hundreds and hundreds of miles like that. And so I, th- I think that, you know, a lot of the, the, the Native American tribes and then the follow-on like European colonists, I think they experienced a lot of the same stuff that people are reporting today at this point. So, Yeah, I don't think it helps because I have this theory that we're all, there's this this other dimension called the mundus imaginalis mm-hmm. related to carl Jung, and how mm-hmm. i think we're all collectively scrying with our technology into that dimension and bringing things in just how you're, you're talking my language now <laughs> i've got this big thing about ai how about um ai might eventually be subverted by interdimensional intelligence you know what i'm saying that you know are posing as ai and the whole scrying thing that you talked about with like technology mm-hmm. you know you look at you look at things that are in the you know, the keys of Solomon, you look at some of that stuff and then you look at how circuits are laid out. Um, they damn near look like the same thing. You know, yeah. you're taking a prescribed symbol and then you're channeling energy through it and then you're getting the required. And that's the thing that, that really fascinates both of us is that how a lot of this modern stuff, it's basically just riffs on, you know, look at CE5. You mentioned Stephen Greer you know, CE5, you know, you take people out into a secluded area, they enter a meditative state, they go through prescribed motions, and then these UFOs appear, you know, if this was happening in the 15th century, they'd burn you at the stake as a witch, mm-hmm. because it sounds like sorcery, you're doing what we're doing right now, they'd burn us at the stake, it's summoning rituals. yeah, it's a summoning ritual, I mean, entities are showing up at that point, so yeah, they'd kill us too, they'd burn us at the stake, <laughs> for doing oh, what we're doing right now, yeah. So what is to, to bring this to a close, I really enjoyed talking to y'all. Uh, what, what's next? What are you guys planning as far? Do you guys have any big uh, expeditions or, cause I know you guys do like documentary style yeah. uh, videos. You guys planning anything special uh, coming up here soon? We do. Yeah. All of our videos are documentary style. It's just Joe and I going out in the woods. Uh, we film ourselves and um, I've been putting videos out weekly at this mm-hmm. point. Um, pretty regularly i've been putting because we go out in the woods all the time we're just out there every week um you know just hitting the trails and so i've been putting videos out on a weekly basis right now Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm speaking at a convention in montgomery bell state park in tennessee october 14th and 15th Uh, ron moorhead is actually speaking at that convention too he's famous for the sierra sounds and for the quantum bigfoot um but i'll be doing that october 14th and 15th what else do we have coming up? Uh, we've got, we're going to be back in the LBL doing some investigations. Um, we're real tech heavy. So we've got some cool experimental type of stuff that we're working mm-hmm. on. Um, I think if there's anything that we're good at, it's kind of that outside of the box thinking and trying to like approach the topic in like kind of a creative and novel manner. So we've got, you know, we talked about portals earlier. One of the kicks we're on right now is, is there a way to possibly triangulate that energy? You know, track it down to the source at that point. Figure out where it's coming so from. So we're running around the woods with, 
I'm looking at it right now, telescopic, you know, tripods that go up 16, 18 feet with directional antennas on there. That's something that we're experimenting <laughs> with right now. And that might pay dividends. We'll see. So. I'm also um, kind of experimenting with something that's similar to CE5, but with Sasquatch, sort of like a Sasquatch summoning uh, experiment. So we're really into super science and sorcery. Yeah, here. we got that Thundar mix. So, yeah. Stacy <laughs> Stacy Brown Jr. There, he's the skunk, yeah, the skunk yeah, we, experiments. We, so yeah. yeah, he's a friend of the show, and we're gonna I'm gonna be working on something with him here soon, hopefully. So we'll see what happens. That's cool. So can you guys play your stuff real quick for those that where they can find you? Your website, YouTube. Absolutely. Um, so you can do youtube.com slash hellbentholler. We do a live stream every Monday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. That's where we kind of interact and hang out with uh, our viewers. We call them the hellbenders. And it is probably one of the best live chats and live streams that are in the field. Um, we have we have electrical engineers. We have it's we not have, the normal cryptid type hangout type thing. Yeah, we have theoretical physicists, professors of divinity. We have electrical yeah. wilderness therapy got, counselors. Right, <laughs> <laughs> they're probably there. Like they're, you know, they're watching. They're watching, watching hidden, but, yeah. but we do that every every yeah. Monday at seven thirty, and that's about two hours long. But it's really a really great interactive conversation that we do every week. And I've been releasing videos pretty much weekly at this yeah. point of our expeditions out in the woods and uh, we use all of our equipment and you can see kind of our process do we do everything and we get results you know we we're we try to be results driven we mm -hmm. go out there we're always out there and we have the technology to actually capture the phenomenon so i think that's why we've been getting the results we've gotten that's why we've gotten the evidence that we've gotten is we have the technology and we have the time out in the woods doing it. So, but you can check us out on YouTube, Hellbent Holler. You can find me on Instagram at Hellbent Jesse, and our website is hellbentholler.com. Um, and uh, yeah, we just we just go full speed into this, and it's pretty much our lives at this mm -hmm. point. But yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Do you guys have an RSS feed set up yet? I think so. We don't really put out our. We were doing a podcast. We did a podcast last summer called Dark Dive. And because we used to take the summers off because it's so hot and really difficult to hike and carry all of our equipment through the woods. So we, we did all these podcast episodes last summer. We might pick Dark Dive back up again. Yeah, we were, we were going to take the summer off like we normally do. But the amount of like activity Out in, the woods, in this yeah. area right now is like insane. I mean, we're getting like emails every day. So we were kind of like. We've got that fear of missing out right now. I'm just going, <laughs> all right, you know, FOMO. I like, we're like, it's, we're not taking the summer off, obviously. So, yeah. you know, I mean, we'll be out for the next four days when we finish this up tonight, we're going to start packing and get all geared up and we'll be leaving out tomorrow. And we'll be out in the field for four days right now. And it's supposed to be just brutally hot for the next four days. So, well, I wish y'all the best. Stay safe. Try not to conjure anything up and protect <laughs> yourselves and, yeah, hopefully we'll see you again here soon. I really enjoyed this, y'all. And thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.
Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.